But guys, those of you who do not know me, my name is JW. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. <laughs> Promised I wasn't going to cry. But I'm honored. It's an honor to be up here every single Wednesday night um, in our Pathway students. We don't, we don't babysit your kids, but we have church. Yeah. We preach the word of God and, and we're raising up a generation to change the world. But I'm especially honored to be up here this morning. I'm so thankful for our incredible pastors who believe in me, my family that came from out of town, my beautiful wife, and my baby boy and the one that's on the way. Yeah. All right. So I promise I will do my very best not to cry anymore, but are y'all ready for the very last in-person service of 2020? All right. So I'm going to do something that I do every single Wednesday night. I'm going to ask you a personal question, but who in here has their Bibles with them? Come on, check them out. They're paper Bibles. Anybody have their paper Bibles? There we go. I see them. I see them. What about your notebooks? Who in here has their notebooks with them? Come on. You see, the reason why we bring our notebooks is because although my message this morning may not really mean that much to you, but, but you know, the world happens and, and things happen in our lives to where a week from now, maybe a year from now, you, you start to go through something and you're like, man, I, I think I vaguely remember a message that, that Pastor Jadub spoke on a little while ago and I think it would apply to my life. Uh, but if you don't write it down, it's so hard to really go back and recall. So I encourage you, always take notes, no matter who's speaking, because you never know how God will use it to speak to you. But I'm going to be in the Old Testament this morning. I'm going to be in the book of Judges. I absolutely love the Old Testament. I, I know a lot of people are like, well, I, I really like the New Testament the best. I love the whole Word of God the best. But I, I love the Old Testament because the Old Testament, everything that is in it points to the love that is Jesus. And, and, and so if you do have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Judges, Judges chapter 6 verse 11 through 16, and I've got the scripture up on here if you want to follow along with me. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? Has anyone in this room this morning ever said, if you are God or if you are with us, then why has this happened to me? Why, why did we break up? Why did we lose a loved one? Why are we struggling financially? Why? And, and I got to thinking about it. I'm like, man, I've asked that question before, but, but I think that I'm in good company. Because if you, if you read over into the New Testament, you find the Hebrews, there's, there's this thing that I like to call the, the Faith Hall of Fame. And, and Gideon just so happens to make one of those 
on the list and I get to thinking if Gideon had these doubts and had these questions for God, I think that it's okay that sometimes I do. But it goes on further to say, and where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Y'all, if you're not careful, you'll reminisce on the things that God did. You'll reminisce on how good your first year of marriage was. You'll reminisce on how much money you made in 2010, but you will completely miss out on what God is trying to do in the midst of today. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us today. Even from a text that was written thousands of years ago, God, you are still real and you are still able to transcend the generations, God, to be able to speak out of me what you spoke into me, God. We love you and we are expecting you to move this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Y'all give it up for this incredible pianist over here. Come on. Honestly, I probably would have him stay the entire time, but I won't do that to him. Um, there, there's something about the atmosphere that just kind of, it's like a little boost. It's like, here you go. Let me give you a little bit of help. I love having him up here. Thank you so much. Um, but I want to jump into this morning. I, I want to give you my title, but, but let me give you a little bit of a backstory of how I come up with my titles um, I, 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 have a, I have this issue where I can write a sermon that's 10, 15, 20 pages long and I write the sermon and I have some notes and I, I have some scripture. And I'm like, man, this is good. What do I call it? But thankfully, we have an incredible, incredible creative team that kind of helps out with that a little bit. But when it came to my, my title this morning, if you ever somehow find some of my notes that I leave after a Wednesday night, um, you're, you're probably going to want to flip through it, and it's very colorful because it helps draw my eyes. But, but then you're going to probably look where the title is, and you're going to see question marks. And yeah, I still use paper because I used an iPad one time, and it died on me. And then I just had to pray that God would do something with what I had. <laughs> but the title that I have for you guys, like I said, thanks to our creative team, is, is Called Out. Called Out, You Were Made For More. Uh, if any of you in here have ever been called out, it's not something that you easily forget. So I, I remember very, very like vividly being called out in the fifth grade by my girlfriend at the time because I sat by another girl at lunch and, and she wanted everybody to know that she was going to gripe me out. So, so what she did is she invited the entire class to come and watch her gripe me out at, at, the, at the monkey bars at recess. And I got to thinking, I was like, man, I remember that so vividly, but, but how much more do I remember when God calls me out? It makes me think of David when he was in the pasture and he was completely forgotten by his family, but, but someone called him out to come and be anointed as a king 
or, or when Peter is sitting in the boat and Jesus calls him out to walk on water. It's something that you won't forget very easily when God calls you out. So if you are taking notes this morning, the first point I have for you is it's time to come out of hiding. It's time to come out of hiding, and I'm going to jump back into Judges 6, 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. To hide it from the Midianites. Has anyone in here ever played hide and seek? Like hide, hide and go seek, hide and seek, I don't know. So, so for me, I'll, I'll remember... Playing hide and go seek at our midweek services. You know, I went to old school church, if I still call it midweek services. But, but we, we, we would go to church on Wednesday nights and our youth and our, our students, my granddad preached and he was long-winded. So, so we always got a long time to play after church. I promise I won't be long-winded on you this morning. I know you got to eat some lunch, as do I. But, but anyways, I remember playing these epic games of hide and seek. And, 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 and if I'm honest with you, it wasn't a very good place to play hide and seek. It was, it was pretty much an open field. I think I remember two or three trees, and then there were some people's cars, and then there were a couple ditches that, that seemed to work sometimes. But, but as my stature, I've been about this size since nine. And when I would go to hide, you could see me on either side of the tree that I was trying to hide behind. So that didn't really work for me. But, but what was cool about the way we played hide-and-go-seek is, is if, if, you got, if someone saw you, you still had an opportunity to get up and run to base. And as long as you could tag base before you were caught, then you didn't have to be it. But if I couldn't hide behind the tree, I probably wasn't going to beat anybody back to base. So what do I do? I try to find a hiding place that I can stay in for a long time. And I'll never forget one Wednesday night, I, I decided I'm going to go hide in the ditch. Brilliant. And, and, and it, it was fall, so there were leaves, and I remember just kind of covering myself up with leaves so that no one could see me. And then I was like, man, this is kind of easy. I went through one, two, three people got in, and I was still hiding. I was like, man, Life is easy. This is good. I'm not having to run. I can just lay here and, and be winning this game. And, and life was easy until it wasn't. All of a sudden, I felt a little sting. And then another. And then another. And if any of y'all know, in East Texas, when you start to get by fire ants, it's never just one. So, so life was easy until I was being bit all over and it wasn't anymore. And just like Gideon, Gideon was hiding in the wine press. And at first, life seemed like it was easy because he was hiding his material from the Midianites. But he was hiding in a wine press. So if any of you know anything about history, a wine press in the time would have been something that, that would have been underground. It, it, it possibly would have even been in a cave. And if any of you farmers in here have ever threshed wheat, it is not necessarily something you want to do underground. Let me explain. When, when you thresh the wheat, you need to be out in the open air so that the, so that the wind can blow the chaff away, also known as the garbage, as the stuff that you don't need that isn't good so that your grain can stay there. So if you're doing it underground, everything is mixing together. 
Everything is mixing together. And although at first it seemed like it was easy, it was making his life harder. It was making his life difficult. It would have been messy. It would have been dirty. And it wasn't easy. So in 2020, many of us came into a wine press. But God is trying to call you out of it. I remember, I remember seeing so many different people at the beginning of the year. I know who you were. I saw it on Facebook. But you had some really cheesy 2020 things that this is going to be your clarity. It's going to be your year of great vision. I'm going to step into the greatest that God has. Like all of these things. And then bam, all of it went away. We, 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 we had all of these plans for our life. And then all of a sudden we were forced to go into hiding we were forced to step away because of, of, of the health behind it, of, of the, the, the fear behind it, of, the, of the, just, the, the, just being safe. But what I noticed is we stayed in there for quite some time that the things that we, and the reasons that we went there in the first place aren't the same reasons that we're there today. You see, we went to be safe, but I think now it's become more of a habit. You've allowed yourself to recluse from all things, from connecting to people. You've recluse from God. You've hidden away. I would say that some of us has, have, have started to fall into this habitual life to where, like, if you walk into the store, it's not even like anything out of the mind anymore. It's a habit to put your mask on. You, you, you see masks hanging on the rearview mirrors like they used to have the dice in the 1970s. But you've isolated yourself this year, and it hasn't been able to separate the garbage from the good. You haven't seen the growth that you prayed and fasted for at the beginning of the year. Maybe you were laid off, and you're not hitting those financial gains and financial growth that you knew that you were going to do this year. I knew I was going to pay off my student loans this year. Still waiting. But it's been easy to hide. It's been easy to recluse. But what I've noticed is you've been hiding away from family. You've stopped connecting with your friends and you've stopped loving people. This year especially has just broken my heart. I'm not saying that we've ever loved people incredible. I'm just saying that this year seems like we have loved people even less. I look across and I see we have so much access to internet and social media and the news outlets that that it just constantly shows hate. And I think, wow, we are supposed to be Christians. We are supposed to love people, but where is the love? I think it's we've been hiding from it because life at first seemed easy. Maybe you fought with your spouse more than ever before. Some of you have stopped going to church altogether. You've stopped giving because life seemed easy until it wasn't. You realize that the good is mixing with the bad. Your hope is mixing with your hurt. Your fear is mixing with your joy and life is becoming hard. But God is calling you out. He's asking you to step out of hiding. Now it's time to destroy what's holding you back. So Gideon came out of the wine press. Now what? Judges 6, 25 through 27. That night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it 
and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold there. Ain't it like God to use something that's keeping you back to propel you into what he's called you to? With stones laid in due order, then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you cut down. So Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him to. So I want to ask you all this morning, what is holding you back? What is keeping you from stepping into all that God has in store for you? You see, Gideon had a hindrance that was in his life. But, but what takes it even further, it wasn't just a hindrance that was in his life, but it would have been a hindrance that was for all of his people. And it was an altar of Baal and everything that it stood for. But this wasn't just a place to go and worship in the middle of the city. This wasn't just a place to go and worship in town to this false god. But, but no, it was his own father's. So it makes me think, how hard would it have been to have to destroy this altar that just so happened to be his father's? In fact, he was so afraid that he went and did it at nighttime so that no one would see him. So why I'm saying that this morning is what is holding you back? Taking it down and destroying it is not going to be easy. In fact, it has to be hard. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a hindrance. So I want to ask you this morning, what is your altar? Maybe it's your biggest insecurities. I know for me, that's the thing. That's my number one thing because what I've known about myself is my insecurities turn into my comparison. And, and I'll start to compare myself that are doing things that I wasn't called to do and completely forget what God called me to. But maybe some of you in here, may, maybe it's your habits. Maybe, maybe it's the thing in your hand that you're addicted to and you can't get away from. Maybe it's your fears. I know for some of us, it's our frustrations in our hurts. But let me take it another step. What if it's your unforgiveness? Maybe some of you have a bitter heart and it's completely keeping you for what God has for you. And God is standing at your heart. He's knocking. He's like, hey, you're my son. Hey, you're my daughter. He's saying that I have called you to be a mighty warrior. You are a man of valor. You are a woman of valor. God called Gideon a mighty man of valor before he did anything mighty. It reminds me in Matthew 3, 17, uh, a voice from heaven said this, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. God is saying he is pleased in Jesus before he did anything great. Before he did what he was called to do by coming and dying on the cross, he's saying, I'm already pleased in him before he did anything. Here's a cool fact for you. I love facts. I have a, a book like this thick that just useless facts, but I think this one's pretty useful. It says, to be a man of valor, you have to have three distinct characteristics. You have to have strength, courage, and passion. None of these which Gideon seemed to possess. He, he said that he was the weakest in his tribe. His, his family was the least in all of Manasseh and, and, and he was hiding in a pit. So I'm pretty sure that his passion was gone. But aren't y'all glad God sees what is in us before we've even done it? Aren't y'all glad that he sees what he's called us to other than what we say about ourselves? I mean, who told Gideon that he was the weakest? 
Who told him that he was the least in all of Manasseh? Some of y'all need to stop listening to that voice in your head that's telling you that you're not good enough and try to seek God to see what he says about you. We've allowed things to keep us from God for far too long. And I want you to know that you are chosen in this place this morning, that you are loved and that you are more than enough to do exactly what God called you to do. I tell my Pathway students, I tell my Pathway students over here, I tell them all the time, I say, you are the only person that can do exactly what God called you to do the way he wants it done. Well, what if you don't do it? Someone else will probably fill in the place and do it, but it's not going to be as good as you were supposed to. I mean, the word of God even says that the rocks will cry out in our place. So, so yes, someone else might do it, but it won't be how God intended you to do it. 2020 has been a year of holding back, of being held back, being restrained. We've been limited physically, emotionally, spiritually, but it's time to step into a new season. To go after what God made you for, you got to leave the wine press, destroy the altars that are holding you back, and now you got to do what God called you to do. You got to do what God called you to do. This is my favorite part. I'm going to read it and then I'll explain. Judges 7, 7. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who laughed, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. Now, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. The Midianites army would have been about 135,000 strong. And Gideon's army starting out before he limited it to 300 had about 32,000. So if I do my math correctly, which I'm pretty sure I will, uh, that's about 100,000 more men that the Midianite army would have had. And I'm thinking 32,000 versus 135,000. I'm going to lean over here and say that this is the army that's probably going to win. But God said 32,000 is still too many. Because hear me out. What if that 32,000 would have went and conquered the 135,000? Then they could have bragged, hey, look what we did. We defeated this giant army and we only had this many. So I think God had to take it the next step further and say, hey, 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 hold on. It's like, I don't want you to brag about something that I still did through you. So let me limit it to the least amount that you can have. So I'm going to give you 300 because there is no way in this world that 300 men can defeat 135,000. So I don't know if this is my favorite part because of Leonidas, Gerard Butler in the film 2007, 300. Anybody else watch that? Okay. I, I don't know if, if like when I, when I saw it, I was like, yes, I remember 300 is in the Bible and, 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 and Leonidas just kicked a guy in the chest, said, this is Sparta. And I, I immediately pictured Gideon kicking a guy in the chest, say, this is God's army. I, I don't know if that's why this is my favorite or it's because God can take what seems like so little and accomplish the unimaginable. So what little in your life are you willing God to use to accomplish the unimaginable? What has God called you to? 
For many people, that question is of hope. The call on your life is hope. But I think for a lot of people, it's, it, it's a more so a sign of frustration, of, of questioning, of, of maybe even confusion. Does God have this fine-tuned plan for each of us? Or is God's call more general and he allows us to kind of work out the details? I, I think the call on, on someone's life, it, especially if anyone's been to a youth camp or, or a crusade or anything like that, and they call everybody down to the front, they start laying hands on people and like, you're called to be a pastor. You're called to be a missionary. You're called, you're called, you're called. I think a lot of times people go to that camp like, yes, I'm called to be a ministry. I'm called to be a missionary. And then they go home and life still sucks. What do I do now? I'm being real. I think the call has been so confusing, but, but let me, let me kind of narrow it down. Every night before we go to bed, we have a routine at our house. Before we go night, night, um, with, with my baby boy, we have, we have this routine where, where if we have time, we will watch at least one episode of Veggie Tales. And sometimes we watch two. Now, I'm not telling you that I got all my notes from a VeggieTales episode this morning. But after we watch VeggieTales, we always do our, as Lenny calls it, votional. Daddy, we got to do our votional. We, we, we got to do our votional. I was like, yes, sir, we do. We got, we got to do it. And, and for me, I absolutely love the devotional that we do. Because I'm kind of a nerd. Um, I made good grades in school. I went and got good grades in college. I, I made the top A honor list, all of those things. And I might even go as far as saying that, that one summer I went to a 10-day science camp. Um, so with our devotional, our devotional is, is an incredible um, devotional for children geared. Um, it's by Louis Giglio, and it's called Indescribable. And, and, and it, it relates God to science because how many of you know that, that they're, they're not separate. Yes. And God uses science to point directly to him. Yes. But we're reading it this, last Sunday, last Sunday night. I, I've got my mind. I'm already, you know, preparing for this morning. And we're reading this devotional and I, I, I stop. I'm like, man, ain't it just like God to speak to me in a children's devotional to prepare a sermon for some adults on Sunday? But we're, we're reading this, this particular devotional, and it was talking about the Arabian camel. And if any of you have ever been up close to a camel, you might know some of the characteristics that I'm about to talk about. But, but the, the Arabian camel was made very uniquely for the harsh environment that it would have been in. If you look at their feet, they're, they're different from a cow or a horse. They don't have the hard cloven hooves, but they have like a soft, mushy pad. And it's so that the sand can displace underneath them and not let them lose their balance. And then their eyelash will actually cling together and overlap so that sand won't get into their eyeballs in the desert storms. And then you all know that hump that's on their back. It's actually not food or water. It's just stored fat. It's stored fat so that when they go long periods without eating or drinking, their body can consume that fat that is stored there. But it talks about the unique characteristics of an animal. And I think to myself, how much more unique am I? That God might use me to do what he's called me to do. It goes further, and I'm going to read this word for word because it's too good not to. It says, and you 
were perfectly created to be you. Just as a potter shapes the clay into the vessel they want to make, God made you with a plan and a purpose to love him and to love others. And he gave you special talents and abilities so that you could live out his purpose for you in a uniquely you kind of way that no one else can do. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, if I could have the keys back up. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. If God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if God wrote this and saying that the calling is on you, then I know that he wasn't just speaking to someone in the Bible, but he's speaking to you this morning. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So, so I love when I'm studying the word of God, I love to be in my, my giant ESV hardback or softback, whatever, my giant ESV Bible that, that has some study notes in it. It has some commentary. I love to study when I'm looking at preaching, when I'm trying to, trying to grow. I, I absolutely love reading my ESV, but, but when I'm trying to find that relational aspect of Jesus, sometimes I just want something a little bit more. And I know there's some theological debate on the Passion Translation of, of should you preach from the platform, should you not? I'm going to tell you that I read it when I need some more of Jesus. And, and, and I'm reading it the other day and I'm stuck in the book of Romans. I'm stuck because I can continually see that God loves me when I don't deserve it. But I want to read this to you. It's in Romans 8, 28. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. God's call may not be this grandiose experience where you walk up to the front and someone lays hands on you and tell you that you're going to the mission field. But I will tell you this, God's call always requires obedience. Obedience in the small things. And I know some of you are like, well, what am I called to? The Bible. It, it, it's in the word. Read the word of God and he will tell you over and over and over. And here's what it says. It says we're to love God and love others care for the poor, live out your lives in such a way that we point people to the power of the gospel. Yes. Let me step on just a few toes before I close this morning. Be careful what you post on social media. 
are, are your posts pointing people to the love of Jesus? You can have conversations, you can have debates with people one-on-one, that's totally fine, I understand. With the political mess that we're in, with the, with the racial hatred that we're living in, be careful what you post. Because does it point people to the power of the gospel? So what am I called to? Love God and love people. God equips the called. Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing up here. I think so often for me, especially with my comparison attributes, I, I look at all these people who are filled or are just incredibly talented, and I'm like, man, they're 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 awesome. But but I think we 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 often overlook the reality that 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 God doesn't call those who are already equipped. But he equips the ones that he called. So, so if we are called to love people, how does he equip us? His son. He sent the greatest sacrifice as the greatest attribute of love in his son, Jesus. So now you are equipped. You are equipped through his love to love people. So this morning, 2020, I want you to know that God hasn't forgotten about you. The call on your life, the call in your life has not changed. Even if you've been hiding for the majority of the year, maybe you've been hiding the majority of your life, God is calling you out this morning. He's calling you out of the wine press where it's dirty and messy. He's calling you to more, more than your past, more than your frustrations. I'll go in more than your present, the mess up that you're living in right now, more than the future mess ups that you will have. He is calling you to more. You got to destroy anything that's holding you back. And now it's time to go out and conquer. Do what God called you to do. If I could everybody stand to your feet. If I could go ahead and have my prayer team come down to the front. As we close this last in-person service of the year, I want you to know that you are loved deeply, but sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we go through life. 2020 may not have been easy for all of you, And I know that you want to leave 2020 behind and step into everything that God has in store for you for 2021. But sometimes we need a little bit of help getting there. And that's what this incredible team is to help you do. They're to help pray you into that. They're to help to believe with you. I want you to know when these people pray for you on Sunday mornings, it doesn't just stop with them. But we get notes and staff and we pray for you as a staff because we believe in our people. And we know that God has great things for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to let one opportunity slip without seeing if there's anyone in this room that would be honest and say, you know what, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I I don't have a relationship with God. I've been hiding my entire life. And, And you'd be honest with me this morning and say, you know what, I'm ready to step out of hiding. 
I want to pursue God with all of my heart. If there's anyone in here this morning that said that's me, I want you to lift your hand. I see him. It's really a simple prayer. I'm not going to ask you to pray word for word after me, but I just want you to pray this in your heart. Just, just say something along these lines. Say, God, I'm sorry. God, I want to change my life and live for you. I want to step out of the place that I've been hiding in and run after a relationship with you. God, I don't want to be the old man that I used to be, but I know that you can make a new man out of me. And God, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. If there's anyone else in here that needs prayer before I pray a blessing over you, we have an incredible team that would love to pray for you. But I'm going to go ahead and pray and dismiss, and I want you to know that we love you. We can't wait to see you guys at our praise party. Make sure to tune in next week at our simulcast service at 9 a.m. But God, I pray a blessing over every single person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you would bless their marriages. God, you would bless their finances. God, you would bless their family. Let them leave this place full of your love. God, full of your joy and full of your peace. God, that they might take it and use the call that you've placed in your life to point people to the power of the gospel. God, we love you and we expect great things. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Amen, guys. We'll see y'all next week. If anyone needs prayer, these guys are up here for you. Love y'all. Merry Christmas.